If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 123. We're going to be looking at actually three psalms today. We're going to be looking at them briefly, though, in, in rapid order. And as you're turning to Psalm 123, when I was uh, a child, uh, I was always uh, excited to go see uh, Grandma Tahoe. We called her Grandma Tahoe because she lived, can you guess? She lived in Lake Tahoe, that's correct. And, uh, and so we would drive up to see Grandma Tahoe, um, my mom, my dad, me and my sister, in uh, my dad's, golly, it would have been like an 85 GMC something or other. And it was rickety, you know, and, he, and we just, we'd drive up uh, all the way from uh, Ukiah, California, or Santa Rosa when we moved there, all the way to Tahoe. As, as a kid, it was an eternity to get there. All the way uh, up the 80 to the 50, all the way up, it was, uh, it was a crazy ride. Um, but as we were driving up, my parents, you know, in, invariably my sister and I would start fighting. We would start arguing, just like it happens in every single one of your cars too. And, and, and believe it or not, back in my day, you couldn't flip a switch and have a little movie right there too. So it didn't, didn't solve the problem. So instead, instead of uh, turning a movie on, my mom would start us singing. And we would sing all sorts of songs. Usually we'd be going up there around Thanksgiving time, so she'd uh, pull out one that you may all know. You can sing it with me if you know it. Okay, ready? Over the river and through the woods To grandmother's house we go The horse knows the way He'll carry the sleigh through white and winter snow Over the river and through the woods To grandmother's house we go And hooray for the pumpkin pie yeah, that's all I remember. I just remember the ending. Hooray for the pumpkin pie. Well, in ancient Israel, families would also take vacations, believe it or not. 2,500 years ago, they'd go on vacation as well. Only, they weren't going to Lake Tahoe. No, the families of Israel would make pilgrimages to Jerusalem, to Zion. And they would usually do it at least once per year, but sometimes up to three times per year. They'd go for the Feast of Passover. They'd go for the Feast of Tabernacles. They'd go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. So for three festivals out of the year, Jews from different parts of Israel, actually beginning in the time of King David, all the way even to today, they'll make pilgrimages to Jerusalem in celebration of their religious feasts. On their way, interestingly enough, Tradition has it that they would sing songs. Just like we would sing songs on the car, in the car to Tahoe. But see, the ancient Israelites would not just sing any songs. They would sing the songs of ascent, which today are listed in your Bibles, our English Bibles, are Psalms 120 to Psalm 134. Those 15 Psalms, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, 34, were used as traveling songs, if you will, as they made their way, as they ascended, if you will, to Zion, to Jerusalem, to the temple, to bring their gifts and their offerings and their sacrifices to the Lord. And today, I want us to look briefly at three songs of ascent in the Old Testament. If you'd stand with me, we're going to read the first from Psalm 123. Let's all stand. And I'd like to read the psalm, Song of Ascent from Psalm 123. 
Psalm 123, a song of ascents, beginning in verse 1. Unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hands of their masters, as the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until He has mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us. For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. You may be seated. Look again at verse 1 and 2 of this first song of ascent. The psalmist writes, Unto you, O God, I lift up my eyes. O you who dwell in the heavens, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until He has mercy on us. It can surely be said that we live in a world that esteems independence. We live in a world where People like to be their own boss. Like to do their own thing. They like to be accountable to no one. They like to live as they wish to live. However they wish to live. We're tempted to believe as well in this day and age that our successes in life are due to our own hard work, to our own talent, to our own skill. We did it and we did it alone is the mentality of today. And yet, how quick we are to forget how we came into this world. We came into this world as a baby. Not able to walk. Not able to talk. Not able to eat. Not able to provide for our most basic needs. We came into this world as a baby. And we are far more dependent than we can ever imagine. I was born in diapers. And it's quite likely that I will finish my life in diapers. No wonder they call them depends. I'm dependent. I am dependent. I've been dependent from the day of my birth. I'll be dependent when I'm an old man and gray. I'm a dependent man. I've been dependent upon my parents. Dependent upon my teachers. My pastors. My employers. And the list goes on and on and on. And so just when we start to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, remember how you came into this world. And then weigh that great pride and independence with the knowledge that you were born not able to walk, talk, eat, or do any of the basic things of life. Verse 1 again, Unto you I lift up my eyes. O you who dwell in the heavens, I am dependent upon you, Lord. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes, Lord, look up to you until you have mercy on us. As big as this world is, and as minuscule as we can often feel in it, the psalmist knew that the Lord cared for him, that the Lord took note of him, that the Lord had a desire to love Him and show Him mercy. And we desperately need that love. 
We desperately need that mercy. Because as big as this world is, the smallest of things can absolutely crush us. Take a look at verse 3. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us. For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. The writer of Psalm 123 was afflicted by a group of people. A group of people who by riches and by power lorded it over him. They lorded life over him. They showed contempt toward him. The text says that he cried out for mercy because he was filled with contempt in the New King James. But that is to actually say that he endured much contempt and scorn. As it says in verse 4, his soul was exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who were at ease, with the contempt of the proud around him. The psalmist's enemies were prideful men for which he sought God's mercy. I don't know what your enemy is today. It probably, it may not be prideful men. There may not be a group of men or a group of women rallying up against you that you, that you have a, this, this segment of enemies that you need to, to cry out to the Lord for help against. Instead, your enemies might be something else. Perhaps your enemy is a great temptation. A temptation to sin that you cannot overcome. Perhaps your, your great enemy is a relationship that is going south. Perhaps your enemy is a great sickness, a great addiction. Perhaps your enemy is even death that is within your ranks. Whatever the enemy's darts may be toward you, make no mistake, without the Lord, we will fall prey to the enemy's attack. But with an attitude, with an attitude of dependence upon God, we can overcome And that is precisely the subject of the very next Song of Ascent. Look at at the very next psalm. Psalm 124, the next Song of Ascent, this time of David, the author. David the king. David writes this in verse 1, Psalm 124, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, Let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. The swollen waters would have gone over our soul. If it had not been the Lord was on our side, we would have been swallowed alive. We all watched uh, these past uh, two weeks plus, these past 19 days, as our youth pastor, Corey, battled an unknown complication in his lungs that caused him incredible pain. So great was Corey's pain uh, that there were many times where on a scale of 1 to 10, he would tell the nurse it was at a 10. In the last 19 days, Corey had been in and out of the hospital three times. He had been given about a dozen different painkillers. He had about two dozen tests performed on him, including x-rays, CAT scans, biopsy, MRI, and the list goes on. Some of these tests he had to redo 
because they had temporarily misplaced the test results. That was fun. He had a chest tube in him that got infected and had to be removed. Doctors from different departments argued with each other for weeks over the exact nature of the problem, repeatedly diagnosing him and then re-diagnosing him. The last thing that I heard as I was uh, uh, there before the surgery, the last thing I heard late Tuesday night was the surgeon who was going to be performing the surgery looked at me and said, I have no idea what it is. That was comforting. He said, we know it's not cancer, we know it's not malignant, but we've never seen anything quite like this. And so all we could do, all, all of us could do here, was to pray. All we could do was to depend on God. And that is what we did. We depended upon the Lord. And as David wrote in Psalm 124, verse 1, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we would have been swallowed up. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we would have been swallowed alive by the raging waters of the enemy. I don't know how Corey could have made it through these last 19 days without the Lord. I was with him, actually, uh, early on. I know Will was with him. Tom was with him. Doug was with him. Many of you came to visit. And uh, thank you for all that you did. But I was with him uh, early on in one of the hospital, uh, one of uh, the many hospital visits. And we were there. We were talking. We were praying. You know, trying to uh, encourage his, his heart and his spirit. And next to us, behind the, 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 the curtain, next to us was a woman moaning and crying out in pain. She had cancer of some sort. And literally the entire time I was with Corey, you could hear this woman moaning and crying in pain. She had no one. She had no family. She had no friends. The doctors would come in, you know, for about five minutes every hour and check in on her. She had no one. I don't know how people do it without the Lord. I don't know how people do it without the Lord's people behind Him. I don't know how Corey could have done it without a reliance on God and a community of faith that was behind him, praying for him, sending him letters, sending him emails, bringing him gifts, children, drawing pictures, visits from friends. And just this last uh, few days, his mom was finally able to come. She flew out and she's with him now. Corey, uh, is, I know, wants me to express to each of you his uh, gratefulness for all that you did and prayed. Um, he, he was very moved. He had wonderful cards and pictures that kids had drawn, and he was very touched by everything that you gave. But you know that there was one thing, there was one thing that, that many of you brought that brought him to tears more than anything else. It was a cup of Starbucks. So thank you. For those cups of Starbucks, he—I mean, I saw he would just—he would just weep when the cups of Starbucks would come. And keep bringing them, by the way. He'll—he'll—he'll he'll, he'll cry afresh for you when you bring that cup of coffee. How do people do it without the Lord? How do they do it? I don't even want to pretend to know. How do we do it without God's people? How do you do it without a church who's behind you in times of need? I mean, look—we're in a world—we're in a different world now. We're in a world where the economy 
Some people say it's recovering. Other people say it's just the beginning. Um, you, you see chaos. You see distress. You see trials. You see people crying out for help. And you've got to ask yourself, if they don't have a faith in the Lord, if they don't have a community to rally around them, what will they do in their time of trouble? I don't know. We cannot do it without Him. If it had not been the Lord, David writes, who was on our side, we would have been swallowed up. When the waters rise up against us, we have two options. We can focus on that flood of despair, or we can focus on the One who can calm the raging sea. In the moment of great distress and trial, if all we do is meditate upon our travails, we will be swallowed up by fear. So let us lift our eyes up above the storms to the One who can bring peace to the storm, who can take the raging sea and turn it into a refreshing spring of life. It was especially fitting that we baptize today. Especially fitting. Because baptism in water symbolizes that we're a child of God. A child of God by faith in Jesus. And today, we again declared that the living water of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any storm the enemy can send our way. And I know uh, firsthand, and I know many of you know firsthand, that those being baptized today have already, in many ways, been tested by the raging sea, by the enemy. I spoke with Stan. I spoke with little DJ and Seth and James. Each of them. And each, in each of their families, it's remarkable how... Already the trials that they've gone through. Stan has many trials at work that he faces for which he is asking God daily to be a man of God in the workplace. Little DJ, we know, has severe food allergies. So much so that if he has uh, something that afflicts his allergy, he can die without an EpiPen. And his family has carried that weight for so long. Seth uh, Carson uh, Seth has, has recently had to deal with his father going off to serve in the military. And Brian has been uh, studying and, and, and training uh, for months on end and was away from his family for months on end and has just now returned. And we're glad to have you here, Brian. We're glad that you're here. And I know that little James Landrigan, James watched as his mother, Jerry, this past year, went through some of the most incredible health challenges I've ever seen. And Jim can attest to it. She's not here today because uh, she's battling deep sickness. We love you, Jim. We love your wife. And I know that James, uh, Jim told me in private testimony as we met in preparation for... Uh, as we met in preparation for little James's baptism, Jim told me that it was his children, James and little Morgan, who were the ones during mommy's illness, who were the ones constantly saying, Daddy, let's go to church. Let's go to church. They were the ones encouraging their mom and their dad in a time of great trial. Without the Lord, we're swallowed up. We're swallowed alive. But when we do know Him, when we do have a community of faith around us, all things change. We've seen His help firsthand. And like anyone who has seen God do great things, with such great acts should come a joyous response 
jump a psalm after this now. Jump to Psalm 126, our final song of ascents. Psalm 126, beginning in verse 1. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. This last psalm that we look briefly at today was one of the latest psalms ever written. We know that because it speaks of the people's return from captivity from Babylon sometime in the early 500s B.C. The Jews had experienced exile and slavery in Babylon. But now they were coming home to Jerusalem. They were making that pilgrimage to Zion and they were rejoicing. It says in verse 1, We were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. It's easy to complain when things go wrong. And yet when God blesses, how often do we forget to thank Him? I was so uh, impressed recently, about uh, two months ago, when Tom and Aaron Bennett gave me a call and told me that Aaron had been accepted to her new teaching job, a, a new special uh, education teaching position in Laguna Niguel. And Tom called me and said, Aaron and I have to tell the church about this great blessing. And so Aaron came to our Easter sunrise service and she shared before uh, some 150 people almost the blessing that God had done in their life to provide this remarkable job. And I know that she shared again uh, just a short while ago with the ladies in the Mother's Day luncheon. And I know that Aaron's testimony of praise has blessed many. It's, it's moments like these where we need to rise up and say, I have to tell this story. I have to tell of what God has done it's easy to complain. It's easy to say, woe is me. But when the good things happen, how often do we turn back to the Lord and say, thank you. Thank you. For the last four days, um, I battled a lot of neck pain and back pain. I had tweaked my, my neck on uh, about Wednesday or so. And I was pretty much in pain from Wednesday all the way to Saturday until, <clears throat> until my son prayed for me one more time uh, during dinner on, uh, on Saturday uh, night. And as Bennett prayed for me, sure enough, moments later, I felt relief for the first time in about three or four days. And yet, it didn't even occur to me that I was feeling relief. I just went through the rest of my night, almost got through the entire night, and then I looked back and I realized my neck's not hurting. My back's not hurting. And I took a moment just to thank God. Because how easy it is to just forget forget of even the smallest things that God has done. Stories like these, like Tom and Aaron's. Stories like Corey's as he's on the road to recovery. Stories like Stan's and DJ's and Seth's and James. These stories of God's goodness become especially sweet because they're set against a backdrop of great trial and hardship. And so the psalmist concludes. Look at verse 4 to 6. 
he writes, Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, he shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves, the harvest, with him. We cry out to God today just as the Jews did 2,500 years ago. They were ascending to Jerusalem. They were on the pilgrimage, going up for one of the many feasts. And they were singing these songs that we've looked at today. And we look at this same psalm and we say, bring us back, God, from our captivity, O Lord. Bring us out of the Babylon that we may be in. And we know He will. We know that God can save us. We know that He can rescue us. We know that He can and will because He's done it time and time again. But while we wait for joy, we must sow in tears, it says. Look at verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, he shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing His sheaves with Him. Bringing the harvest with Him. The joy only comes through tears. I don't think we would know what... uh, I don't think we would know what deep satisfaction is without knowing what deep pain is. We wouldn't know that overarching joy that can settle in our hearts until we've been through the fiery trials that have come before it. Our faith must not be rocked by raging storms. Whatever that storm is. My faith must not be rocked by sickness. My faith must not be rocked by losing a job. My faith must not be rocked by drugs or alcohol. My faith must not be rocked by a marriage that's not all I hoped it would be. Joy comes through the tears. It comes through the pain. And in the midst of the storms, by God's help, I will go on through tears bearing seeds of life. Bearing seeds of faithfulness. Pressing on with tears and weeping. Knowing that rejoicing is coming again. Knowing that the harvest is near. So don't lose heart. Press on. Have you lost your way today? Turn to the Lord. You can't change the past. No one can. You cannot change the past. You can't change yesterday, let alone the last decade. But you can change right now. Turn back to Him now. Start anew. And don't expect, by the way, don't expect dramatic results today. They probably won't come. Because joy, contentment, it comes through tears. It comes through weeping. It comes through a time of great trial. But sow those seeds through the tears and through the pain. And the psalmist says, rejoicing is coming. Joy is coming. In good time, we shall reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for the songs of ascent. We thank You, Lord, for... Psalms 
that were sung and chanted and recited as the people of Israel made their way to Jerusalem. Lord, they sung these, sung these songs because they knew all that You had brought them through. They sung these songs because they knew about the time of tears. They knew about the time of pain. And they knew that life wasn't meant to get dramatically better. That the Gospel was not meant to be a Gospel of prosperity, of, of wealth, and of continuous health. But instead, Lord, that through trials and difficulty that we would find upon dependence upon You, that we would find that joy, that we would find that peace, that we would find that contentment that we were so looking for. And we see Your Son, Lord. We see Jesus who went to the cross to give us that joy. How much more so may we need to go through a little more tears, a little more pain, but Lord, oh, so close, so close are we to a lifetime, an eternity of joy. We cling to that hope. Help us to persevere to the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.